So we're, gonna, we're in week two of a series called Life's Healing Choices, and today we're going to be talking about miracles and wonders, and the passage that I'm going to open up with is out of Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to read a little more on the screen, so this is beginning at verse number 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So this morning, miracles and wonders. We're going to spend some time here, so probably ought to start with miracles. A miracle, Elena did a wonderful job of, of explaining what a miracle is. This is more, she was more succinct than I'm going to be, but we're saying the same thing. That's <laughs> not shocking. A preacher's going to be longer than... <laughs> a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. And in this day and age, we are not naturally miracle-focused people. And by that, I mean we're raised, at least in our Western society, in our Western world, to embrace those things that we can see, to embrace the things that, that we can wrap our hands around, the things that we can touch, and to question, to, to question everything else, right? And we question it all. It's like, what is that and what is it? So we question Everything. In fact, we've developed this, this scientific method, in order to help us to do research better, and, and scientific method's been around a while. It's a method of procedure that has characterized natural science since the 17th century, consisting of systematic observation, measurement, and experiment, and the formulation, testing, and modification of hypotheses, right? Yeah, everybody knows that. That's like... So bear with me for a minute. I, I'm going to share with you a little of my history. My, my degrees are as follows. I have an associate's in science from Chemeketa College in Salem, Oregon, with uh, focus in psychology, and, uh, and my science was geology. My Bachelor of Science is from Oregon State University, psychology major, minor in sociology, a master's of art degree from in human services counseling, which is it's a church-focused counseling, from Regent University, a Master of Divinity degree from Candler School of Theology. And of all of that, the on, only one of those, only the, the Master of Divinity degree, degree is the one where I did not spend a lot of time studying research methodology and statistics. I can tell you that the scientific method is a strong research model. It's a, it's a good thing, and it's wonderful when it comes to assessing behavior, uh, when it comes to assessing processes or physical science and other aspects of our natural world. The thing is, though, that there is this thing that's necessary through the scientific method. It's called replicability. See, good research should be able to be done and repeated in order to verify that the first was that's not a flawed study or a flawed result. If a study cannot be replicated, then something's wrong with the original study. So you have to be able to replicate it. Again, great for the natural world. It's wonderful process for natural sciences. And when we're testing things like gravity, right? Because gravity, let's, let's see, we got, 
if I do this, let's see if gravity's still working. I mean, we'd all be floating probably if it wasn't. But we're st- it's gravity's still going. So that's me doing a test. Drew, you want to test gravity? Same result, right? We replicated that gravity is still in force. And, and the scientific method is great for doing that. The problem comes when it comes to the supernatural, right? Because replicability goes out the window when we're talking about the supernatural. The scientific method is no longer useful. And it's not that we don't try. I mean, we try all kinds of stuff. There are studies out there that see if what is the effect of prayer on healing, right? Do folks, the hypothesis would be that people either did or didn't recover at a faster rate or or more successfully if they're prayed for. And those studies point to that prayer does have a positive effect, but here's the thing. It's impossible to control for outside influences. Is the person a believer already, which would impact whether or not they believe that they would heal? And that matters. Did the person know they were being prayed for? Because positive attitude impacts our healing process as well. We know that if we're in, have in a positive attitude towards healing, then we're more likely to heal. If we have a negative a- attitude towards it, we're less likely to heal. We know those things as well. So you'd have to control for outside factors. Maybe have an atheist praying unknowingly for someone. Of course, then in our tradition, that's not a prayer of faith. So you see there's all kinds of outside influence. But we want to be able to measure the supernatural. We want to lay our hands on it so that we can understand it. So all of that to make a relatively simple point this morning. The natural world will never be able to explain the supernatural world. The natural world will never be able to explain the supernatural. It's inherent now that something that is beyond the natural world would, be, would not be explainable naturally, right? Because if it were, then it would no longer be supernatural. It would just be natural. Right? Are you fo- do you know what I'm trying to say here? Right? If it's supernatural, it can't be natural. If it's natural, it can't be supernatural. The two are distinct. They're separate. And what God has done through Jesus Christ, that ain't part of the natural world. Amen? This is not part of the natural world. Let's take just, and this is just a few things about our Savior. Fully God fully human. This is not a natural state. Fully God, fully human. But Jesus is both God completely. And and he was human completely. He was one of a kind. Not replicable. He was the son of God. Jesus was born of Mary, but his father was God Almighty. That's one of a kind. One of a kind. Jesus died and rose from the dead. And here's the thing. Jesus was really, really dead. Interesting fact about ancient writings. The, the natural evidence, the fragments and the writings that we have, are greater for Jesus 
and his having been alive and been here on the planet and, and been here and done, you know, than any other ancient writing. It's also questioned more, but there's more evidence in the natural realm that, there, these, that Jesus existed. And these writings make the claim that Jesus was dead, he was buried in a tomb, and then was no longer in the tomb. Women were the first witnesses to this miracle. Now, in our day and age, that's like, well, no big deal. Back then, if you want a story to be reputable and verified, you know who, some of the last people that you're going to send to verify that? Women. Because their testimony didn't count. They were less than men. Men were, it was a very patriarchal world. So they messed, if, if they're lying, they sure screwed up the story. They told it wrong. They should have gone, picked some uppity guy, some judge or somebody who, who went to the tomb, but they didn't. You know why I think that is? Because I think they told the truth. Women were the first to the tomb. So the natural evidence is overwhelming for the supernatural event of Jesus rising from the dead. Now, you can say, well, I just don't believe that, or I think the authors are making it up, but you cannot... In my view, you cannot with authenticity say that they did not write what they meant to write, because they did. They wrote what they meant to write. You can, don't, you can believe it or not believe it. That's your call. But they wrote what they meant to write. The supernatural is a part of Jesus' ministry. Corey went through several of the things, and there's so much from his birth. So he's born of a virgin. The, Mary had never been with a man. So he's from the beginning of his life. He's different. He's unique. And so then he's born, and at his, a couple of years, actually, after his birth, but these guys come from, like, somewhere Iraq, Persia area, and they travel by camel or whatever it was all the way to see Jesus following a star. And these were not Jewish people. The magi, the wise men, they came to see Jesus. That's miraculous. That's a miracle. That's supernatural what they did. And, and, and I love, this, this is an aside, they were the Gentile representation at Jesus' birth, that the shepherds were the Jewish representation. And even from the birth of Jesus Christ, God was bringing together two worlds that had been separate to make them one, Gentile and Jew at his birth. Since that time, everything has changed for the Jewish people, and we are to be one. Rose Lazarus from the dead, healed, walked on water, all of those things. That's part of Jesus' ministry. You see, God is beyond the natural, and miracles are a part of God's work in the world. God is more than the natural world, and miracles are just a part of who he is. So let me get back to that passage. I'm going to use the message this time. What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy. It's an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted. 
a breath of fresh air to a squalid and polluted society, provide people with a glimpse of good living in the living God, carry the light-giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on that day that Christ returns. So I want to focus this morning on the miracle and, a miracle and wonder that we often overlook as we seek external miracles in our day-to-day lives. See, we want desperately that, that the provable miracle. I want healing. I, I want the miracle healing. I want miracles in my life. I want to see that. I want to see it with my eyes and touch it with my hands. Those are the kind of miracles that I want. And when I do that, when I kind of apply the scientific method to my faith, I, I miss something. I lose something because I want to figure out a formula. How do I pray to make the miracle happen? How do I do this to make God do what I want? And I miss that the source, I miss that it's all from God, for it is God who works in you to will and to act and to fulfill his good purpose. And make note that it's a God who works in you to fulfill his good purpose. When we try to make this into a formula, try to replicate, try to, whether it's to grow a church, let me figure out what the vine is doing or some other church, let's do what they're doing. When I try to figure out all this stuff and make a miracle happen, I'm actually forgetting That God is the source of the miracle itself. And we need to be who God called Arbor Point Church, it was Jackson to be, and live into that. And that's what God is asking of us. I love what the message does with this passage. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. And catch this, this is amazing. That energy is God's energy. And energy deep within you, God himself, willing and working at at what will give him the most pleasure. God himself, God himself, willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. I love that because it puts the focus exactly where it needs to be, which is on God. You know, God himself, willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Okay, Mike, you're going to tell us about miracles and wonders. You've been ranting about a bunch of stuff. So, so let me get to miracles and wonders. That energy is God's energy. An energy deep within you. And I want to take a minute with this because we gloss over stuff a lot. God lives in Let that resonate for a second. The creator of everything that is, the all-powerful, omniscient, omnipresent God, the most powerful being ever, lives in you. You want a miracle? And that's not just me. It's not just Mike saying that. So let me give you some scripture behind it because I want to back this up and back it up well. So let's start here. 2 Timothy 1.14. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Ephesians chapter 2. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 16, or, or 3, 16 through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that 
Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Christ lives in you. Colossians 1.27, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hebrews 3.6, but Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are if we hold fast our confidence in the boast of our hope firm until the end. John 14.23, you catching this? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Now abode is our home with him. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. God lives in you. It's the coolest thing ever. It just is. It's the coolest thing ever. God is very clear about this. There is no question that when you say yes to Jesus, you become the dwelling place of God. That is the greatest miracle that will ever happen. It's the greatest miracle that should inspire a sense of wonder and awe. And how does that even make sense? How does, and by the way, I don't know how, but I know it's real. I know that God lives in me. And and I don't always get it. You know, I'm probably just not going to be smart enough, you know. But I'm okay with that because God lives in me. Say that with me. God lives in me in me latch on to that that is incredible that (laughs) and we get to choose this for ourselves we talked about that we make choices life's healing choices the biggest choice that you can make is accepting jesus christ as your lord and savior elena farmer chose this a few weeks ago you know what the holy spirit lives within her. Noah Rombaugh chose that a few weeks ago. He's now the dwelling place of God Almighty. Have you done this? Have you chosen Jesus? You may have been coming to church all your life. You may know the Bible backwards and forwards. And and hear me, knowing about Jesus is not the same as, as accepting him as your Lord and your Savior. But you may have been here all the time. And here at Arbor Point, I, I, I just want us to always be a place now. You know, I've, I've slacked on this, and I want to stop slacking on this, but I want to be a place of invitation and a place where, where I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to say well, yes to Jesus. In it, every week, there's going to be some way to say yes to Jesus in this place. So I invite you to pray about this in your life, whether you've done this or not. And the invitation is coming. It's not here yet. It'll be in just a couple of minutes. But, but the invitation is coming. Because salvation is the greatest of all God's healing choices. But there's more. You see, once you have the Holy Spirit living in you, once that happens, then you have the power to be able to overcome whatever hurt, whatever habit, whatever hang-up there is in your life, with the Holy Spirit's power, you have the ability to overcome it. Now, now the world and the enemy doesn't like that, doesn't want you to believe that, wants to rob you of that, but you have the power within you to overcome it. So if you're struggling with anything, with, with something, 
Know that when you say yes to Jesus, man, the Holy Spirit's going to be in you, and, and you can grab hold of that. Now, God often works through other people. We have a tendency to try to do it on our own. That's not really God's plan. God's plan is for the church, which is us together, to come together to lift and carry that burden together. We belong to one another. So that pathway to healing is available to us. And I'm not saying this is going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Life is not that way, right? I am saying that together, as the body of Christ, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. And if you searched your heart a moment ago and you, go, and, and you, and you came to the, you know, I never really have publicly professed my faith. I want to give you that opportunity to come forward and, and profess that. We'll celebrate with you in this place. 